are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Over the last several weeks, we've taken a closer look at those first four Beatitudes, and in that, what we've seen is a relationship that involves us and God. It's mostly what comes from within. The poor in spirit aren't those who are broke, those who don't have any money in their account. It's those who recognize that they can't do it by themselves. And Jesus says, blessed are you, happy are you, well off are you, because you don't have to be able to do it by yourself. I'm coming and I'm doing it. For those who mourn, Not people who are overly depressed, but those who recognize the state in which they are in and say, I just, I can't do it without God. And you look at your own life and you find yourself weeping for your own sin. And Jesus says, if you weep for the sin in your life, find comfort in knowing that I will wipe away every tear. The meek. Not those who climb and crawl and push to the top so that they can gain power, not unlike the Pharisees would have done in Jesus' day. He said, those of you who do not wield over power and try to take control, you will inherit the earth. I love that. It's not something that you take, it's something that's being given to you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that nothing, nothing else matters. And righteousness is not just a checklist of doing these things, although righteousness does include our actions. But the righteousness that Jesus is talking about is not only about doing what's right, it's about having a relationship with God. And when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you hunger and thirst for injustice, That it is stopped in this world. It's not enough to say, I'm hungry for doing the right things. It means that you are starved when you see people in this world who are oppressed and pushed down. When you see people who have made bad decisions in your life, righteousness does not say, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. I'm glad I'm not that person. Righteousness, those who hunger and thirst for this, says, I want to help them. I want to reach out to them. And so each one of these kind of build upon each other until we find ourselves hearing Jesus say, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is something that didn't go well with any of the Pharisees and religious leaders of the time. They were the prideful, unrepentant, power-hungry thrill-seekers. And mercy wasn't in their vocabulary. It's a little bit more fashionable now to show a little bit of mercy. But back in that Roman culture, that was not what was fashionable. 
mercy was weakness, and weakness was despised, and if you showed mercy to anyone, then clearly you're weak. And so when they hear this rabbi, this carpenter from this little town step up and say, blessed are you who are merciful, they scoffed. (laughs) This guy clearly has no idea what he's talking about because we don't show mercy. If we catch some woman in adultery, you know what we're going to do? We're picking out the best stone we can find. Because we're going to drag her out in front of everybody. Because we don't care about mercy. That's what weak people do. We cry justice. Because that's what God would do. God would pick up the stone first and He would be the one who throws it. And that's what makes the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount so special. Because we're not just hearing words. We're seeing how God chooses to react in this world. These describe who Jesus is, the merciful one. So what is mercy? What's mercy? Just the other day, yesterday in fact, I was coaching a soccer team. And we're not the best soccer team um, probably because we don't have the best coach, um, but we try. Um, and uh, yesterday, it just so happens that about three seconds be- before half, they scored on us for the tenth time. <laughs> uh, and so I wasn't keeping score. I mean, I knew that we didn't have any, uh, and they had ten, and I knew I, I knew they had more than one, so we were losing, and that wasn't, I said, you know, we're just going to learn some things here, we're going to have some tough times, this is a good team, they'd played five years before, I had some kids who'd never kicked a ball hardly before this season, and so we're, we're kind of going through learning season. Well, what I didn't know is that after you, if you scored ten goals in one half, then the game is over. <laughs> but the other team, for whatever reason, wanted more time. Uh, and I didn't know this, and so they, they had talked to the refs and said, hey, let's play ten more minutes. Well, I give the kids this rah-rah talk, and I said, okay, we, I think we lost the first half, but that's okay, we're starting a brand new half. And we're going to go out there and we do our best. We get out there and they score another goal, but before long, we score one. So I'm screaming at the kids, it's 1-1, one, one. we get one more, and we've won the second half of this game. <laughs> And all of a sudden, they blow the whistle and say, it's over. I said, well, we've still got 15 minutes left. We're on a roll here. We could get another goal. And they said, well, you know, they scored 10 in the first half. Um, if you're in baseball, they call that the run rule. But here they used the phrase, uh, it was a, a, a mercy rule. <laughs> it's the mercy rule. It's, it's we feel bad for you, so we're going to stop thumping you. Is kind of how I felt is, you know, we... We had to give up. What is mercy? Is it the same thing as grace? I mean, what do these two things different mean? You've heard people probably pray this prayer before, Lord, have mercy on me. And that's a nice sentiment, but I'm going to tell you something. They're too late. Don't pray for mercy. God is not doling out any more mercy. Let me explain why. There's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy 
is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. About 2,000 years ago, the full extent of God's love and mercy was displayed on the cross. Because prior to Jesus and the sacrifice that He made, we were destined to death forever. Because we were supposed to get what we deserved. Have you ever had people say that? I wish I could, you know, I want to I, I get what I deserve. I'd be real careful about making that statement. You see, on the cross, God gave all the mercy that He had. And let's make no confusion or misunderstanding about this. It was enough. Because prior to that sacrifice, we were doomed. I mean, that was the one pivotal moment in history that changed everything. Because at that moment, God offered mercy to all of humanity, past and present. And because of that sacrifice... We are not going to get what we deserve. Mercy in this instance talks more than just about sympathy. It's about empathy. It's about action that takes place. And if you look at the Greek word of mercy, it really is talking about an idea of deliverance. Let me see if I can clarify this a little bit more. Remember again, and I'll I'll probably mess this up, but I'm going to try my best to do it right. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. So what's the difference between mercy and grace? Go back even before the cross, and you have a bunch of guys and girls roaming around in the wilderness... They were in Egypt. God called them out of Egypt. He used Moses to deliver them. Mercy is what they got when they crossed the Red Sea. Because as slaves to Egypt, they were going to be stuck there with their children and their children's children and their children's children forever. And mercy from God says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. And He brought them out in the Red Sea, signified the mercy that God was going to show to them. But God wasn't done yet. Then, God showed grace. And He gave them something they didn't deserve. And that was seen at a different crossing. Not the Red Sea, but the Jordan River. He took them out of where they were, and that showed His mercy. He took them into a place that they didn't deserve, and that showed His grace. You see, we've all been given that mercy. God saw the sin and sadness in this world, and He says, there's not enough sacrificial lambs. It's going to have to be my son. 
And that's the mercy that Jesus offered. And that's what changed everything. Jesus says, blessed are those who give mercy because I'm going to show you real mercy. Blessed are you who see people who are hurting and downcast and you go to them and you deliver them out of where they are. Do you think that's great? Let me tell you something. I'm going to show you real mercy because I'm going to take you out of where you are and I'm going to bring you into deliverance into my kingdom. It's been a few months now, seven months since we made the transition from Texas to New Mexico. And that took a little while to figure that out. In fact, I think a few times I'd even reference Hobbes being in Texas, but no more. I know where I'm in New Mexico. I've got the, the yellow plates. And I don't want to offend anybody, but if anybody was, you know, in charge of making those plates, shame on you. <laughs> really? Yellow and turquoise? But I'm proud to be in New Mexico. I'm proud to be in Hobbs. And I'm proud to worship here at Taylor Street. And I'm proud to get up a little earlier in the morning, maybe than some of you on Sunday mornings, and find my way into a little room that's called the Elder's Room. And they call it the Elder's Room because the elders meet there. Uh, And this morning, well, every morning really, but... And I, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I, I may get a, you know, a chastise later on, but I doubt it. I, um, we say that they're open meetings. Uh, and I wish, <laughs> I, I wish you could, you could come sit in on those meetings. You know what we talked about today? Yeah, there's a couple light bulbs out in here. Did we talk about the light bulbs? No. We didn't talk about the color of the pews or the carpet. We talked about how do we reach out to this community. We're in the process of of targeting a, a school, an elementary school here in the school district. Just trying to form a relationship with them. So when they have a little kid that walks in the door during wintertime and is freezing and shivering, we can put a coat on their back. That's what we talk about. We talk about how difficult it is for some of our high school students. You've all been there. I've been there after you graduate and there's kind of this, this time of where do I go now? And you could just, you know, feel the sincerity and the emotions as we got choked up talking about how can we reach out to those college-age students who don't quite fit in and they're not sure if they have a place in here and, and how can we get them in here? And how, how can we go out and meet them? You see, mercy is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an action. And so I want to ask you this question. I haven't been here long enough, so you're going to have to answer it for me. Let's, let's play pretend for a second. This is a horrible hypothetical question, but what happened if 
What happened if Taylor Street, not, not, not just the building, but the people, that's what the church is, right? What if, what if just, whoosh, it just, it, it disappeared. All of us in here, just gone. The building gone, and in its place is a hardware store. Would Hobbes know? Would there be people out on the street saying, man, what a difference that church was making in this community. I, I saw Jesus living in those people and, and Hobbes will never be the same without them. Jesus calls us to be people who are merciful. People who want to deliver others out of the place where they are and bring them to a place before God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, so they will see God. I, I want to break this up for just a minute and see if we can do something. Um, well, look, there we had... Ryan, are you awake back there? Just barely, Ryan, will you come up here for a second? Uh, and Avery, boy, you're looking dressed sharp. Will you come up here? Wyatt, will you come up here? I want to talk a little bit about... Um, blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, so here's what we're going to have. Wyatt, I want you to stand right here, and I want you to face that way, just like that. You're doing good. Avery, I want you to come over here. It's going to be like a duel almost, except no guns. They're not allowed in church. Okay, right here. Now, here's what you're going to do. I want each of you to think of a number. You're, you're, I'm going to use you in a second, but I'm giving them directions, so just don't fall asleep yet. Okay, so I'm going to, I want you to pick a number between one and five. And on the count of three, when I say one, two, three, go, on go, you put that number up about chest high. One, two, three, four, five. Got it? Can you all do that? So let's practice. One, two, three, go. Okay. Very good. Okay, so here's your deal. What you're going to do is you're going to tell me how many fingers they're both holding up. Got that? Together. Together. You're going to have to add. You may have to carry the one. Okay? <laughs> this could get difficult. Okay, you ready? So you got this? Okay, so here's, but here's one more. There's just one simple rule. If you'll just stand, just stand right here. Okay? Now, here's the deal. You cannot move your head. Got that? You ready for this? Okay, so you're going to... Don't move your head. Okay, I don't have guns, but we do have a taser. Okay, ready? <laughs> you guys ready? One, two, three, go. How many fingers? You can't see? I should have picked somebody else to do this. Uh, okay, maybe we messed up again. Let, let's, let's try again. Okay, here we go. We're going to get this down. We're going to get this down. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. How about now? Yeah, no, you're wrong. That's seven. Okay. What grade are you in? I'm not sure. Ninth grade. Best three years of your life. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I, I, I'm going to bend the rules. You can move your head only one direction. Got it? You can move it one direction. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. One, two, three, go. 
Uh, let's see, five plus two is? Seven. Okay, very good. Okay. Blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. Okay. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Don't move. I want y'all to stay up here for a second. This is what Jesus is talking about when He says, Blessed are the pure in heart. It's those who are focused. It's the impurities that mess things up. It's the people who find themselves looking back and forth. Or we position ourselves in a place where we want to see both, but because we're so intent on trying to see both, guess what? We can't see either one clearly. Everything is out of focus. And this happens a lot. Blessed are the pure in heart. And we want to look at God, but we're also kind of pulled off over here and we don't really know which direction and so we try to look ahead and we miss it. The pure in heart, the ones who see God, are the ones who rule out the impurities in their life and say, I'm giving it all to God and only to you and to no one else. And until you make that decision, until you say, God, it's all about you, you will never see God. Guys, thank you so much. You may have a seat. Let's go ahead and can we give these guys a hand? Is that okay? I want us to understand that Jesus is calling us to something radical and something crazy and life-altering. When people came and said, I want to follow you, He says, okay, I'll see you on Sunday at 9 o'clock. Come in, give me a few hours of your time and everything's good. He says, no. Anyone who doesn't leave their houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers will not receive the kingdom of heaven. You have to be willing to give up everything. God makes it very clear. Both in the Sermon on the Mount later on, He's going to say, you cannot serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think He would let you say, take out money and put something in there. You cannot serve both God and career. You cannot serve both God and popularity. You cannot serve both God and... You fill in the blank. If you want to see God... You have to let everything else come out of focus. You want to show mercy? You want to deliver people from where they are? If you want to realize what real deliverance is, then it's a focus on God. It's setting aside all these other things that just they get in the way. Several weeks ago... Um, I nearly lost my job because Lance came up here and preached and, and, and did a, where is he? He, he did a great job. Do, do you remember the video he showed? When y'all were counting how many times the ball got passed around and what came right in the middle? A, a gorilla came wandering through. And some of you admittedly were like, I didn't see the gorilla because you were so focused on that ball. Some of us can get focused on other things and miss God trying to walk and work into our lives. 
Jesus is not chastising. He, he wants to call us to a greater relationship because He knows. He knows that all the things that people sought after then didn't matter. And all the things that seem important now don't really matter. He just wants a relationship with you. That's what He really wants. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know that at the end of your life, that if you've made $43 billion, it doesn't matter. All that matters is a relationship with Him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Some of you may have been caught counting how many times the ball got passed around. How many more late nights you have to work to get that promotion how bad you really want that vacation, and somehow God got out of focus. It happens. But God doesn't give up. He just says, put me back into focus. See me. See the blessings that I have for you, and the promises that I've made that I will keep. That's what Jesus is offering you right now. As we always do, we offer an invitation and it's not any different than any other week. And in some form or fashion, you're going to see it being offered because we want you to know that's what Jesus does. He invites us and delivers us out of where we are to a place where we can be. And that may look different for some people. For some of you, you want to make that very first step. And that's where we want to call you to do what Jesus calls us to, is put Him on in baptism and say, I'm going to die. I'm done. It's over. I'm being crucified with Christ. Nail me up to the cross because I'm dying. And I'm going to rise again and Jesus Christ is going to live in me. And we signify that by you going down into the waters as though you're buried. And you will rise anew with Jesus Christ leading your life. And if that's that decision you want to make, we are ready for you to make that decision today. We will surround you and love you. If you've made that decision, but you've gotten your life out of focus, we want you to know we're a group of people who pray for you and love you. And you can come forward and confess your sins or ask for prayers. And as a family, we'll gather around you and love you and pray for you. We're not going to be here to judge you because every single one of us has gotten our lives out of focus too. Maybe it's a matter that's a little more confidential or private. Maybe you just need some encouragement and prayers from one of our shepherds. D.A. is here. D.A. had surgery last week and he's here because he didn't want to miss out. And he's going to be back in this room we call the family room as we sing this song of invitation in just a moment. And he'll be back there. And if you have any prayer requests or you need someone to, to pray with you and encourage you, he's going to be back there too. We want to offer an invitation to each one of you regardless of where you are. Because we want you to know that no matter how bad things get out of focus, Jesus can make things all clear. That's what he does. That's what He promises. And that's what He'll do. If there's any way we can serve you this morning, please come as we stand and sing. Open